If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians 4, verse 20. Um, if you don't, the verses we're going to look at are in the bulletin. And we're going to walk through these verses as we watch and see how God transforms us in Jesus. And so Ephesians 4.20 says this, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. So these verses um, highlight the fact that following Jesus, it's a learning process. So when you find out how much God loves you, when you find out what Jesus has done for you, it makes you want to run to him. It makes you want to love him back. It makes you want to get to know him better. It kind of blows your mind. Like there are songs that reflect this, like the song Amazing Grace. It's really this exaltation of, I can't believe that God loves us this much. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. When this happens, you just want to spend time with the God who treats you this way. Like that's what happens. And this new heart that we get, um, it involves learning Christ. It involves being taught in Jesus and finding out the truth of who God is. And so, so following Jesus is a learning process. There's a commitment that's involved that starts the process for us. But then there's a life of learning where we spend more time with him where we are newly refreshed, when we newly find out, it's like, whoa, I knew this before, but now I really know it. You know what I'm talking about? When you, and so this is why we read the Bible. This is why we pray. This is why we spend time at church. It's why we talk to people, why we gather in small groups. It's because we're trying to learn about Jesus. We're trying <laughs> and we're succeeding, right? When the spirit comes, then the power comes, right? But this is what happens is that we have this relationship with Jesus and the more we know him, the more we become like him, right? The more that we know him, it's like the more of him fills our lives. And so in teaching, in conversations, even in practice, when you try to love someone that's not loving, when you try to be patient with people, when it really is hard to be patient, it's like you're working out these muscles that come from Jesus, um, and we become more like him. And so the rest of the passage talks more about this in verse 22. What's the process like of learning about Jesus? Verse 22 says, well, that you put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And so this is part of it. This is part of the deal. Our old self here, this is our sinful self. This is the part of, it's who we are when, when we're nothing like God. It's who we are when we're not connected to God and his goodness. Um, it's who we are when we want bad things. And what this verse says, what the apostle Paul is saying is that we're to take that old self and we're just to take it off like old clothing that we don't want to wear anymore. Like clothing that's out of date or clothing that's torn and tattered, that's smelly and disgusting. Like we just need to take that old self off. We take it off because, why? Because it belongs to who we used to be before we began to love Jesus. Like that clothing, that, th those wants, those desires, those actions, those thoughts, those are part of who we used to be. But we're not that anymore. And so we take that off 
like old clothing. Verse 23 says, and then to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And I love this because mind and heart go together in the Bible. Like if your heart is what you want, your mind is what you think. And the way to be transformed is to have both your heart and your mind renewed. Jesus gives you a new heart so that your mind becomes renewed. And so you're renewed in the spirit of your minds and you put off, you put on the new self. So there's an old self you take off and there's a new self that you put on. And this is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so when you believe in Jesus, God does something powerful in you. He, make, he gives you a new self. Like, there's an old way of thinking, and then there's a new way of thinking. There's an old way of acting, and then there's a new way of acting. There's an old way of speaking, and a new way of speaking. And he does this by putting his spirit in us. And this is why, I mean, with, with songs like what we sang earlier, that we, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, these aren't just doctrinal truths in a creed that we recite. But this is our understanding of who the one God is and what the one God has done for us. That as our Father, He is loving authority over us so that we have a God who cares about us, who loves us as a perfect Father, who gives us direction, encouragement, comfort, who sees the good in us and affirms it and calls us to be the best versions of ourselves. Right? With God the Son, we have Jesus who goes before us, who goes before us, who lives the life we should have lived and then died the death that we deserve to die so that we would be forgiven and accepted as perfect, not because we're perfect, because he was perfect. And so we have God over us as the Father, God in front of us as the Son, and then the Spirit is God in us, where the presence of God himself lives in us. One God in three persons, because this is exactly what we need. And when the Spirit comes into our lives, we become new. If God, who is eternally love, if God, who is completely righteous and perfect and always just, if he comes into your heart, you become like him. When you realize that he's loved you with a love that you didn't deserve, it makes you love others in ways that they don't deserve. And so this is the new self, and you're supposed to put that on. So in the same way you take off your old ratty clothes, you put on the stuff that makes you look good. You put on the stuff that makes you look like you know what you're doing, that makes you look like you're a new person. You're created. This is a new creation of God. Like, did you know that God was going to renew all things? Do you know that the future that we're heading toward is a new heaven and earth? It's a new creation existence where heaven and earth are together, where God and people are one, where all of what's broken is gone, where all of what's sad comes untrue, where everything is renewed and everything is perfect. That's where we're heading. And what this verse says is that when you believe in Jesus, that future invades your present. That future of what God is going to do, he begins to do in you as his spirit dwells in you. And what we have to do, like our part to play in this is to take something off 
and put something on. And obviously this is a metaphor, it's a clothing metaphor, but the way that we practice the metaphor of putting on the new self is that we remember this. We believe this. We believe that God is in us. We believe that we've been created in the likeness of God, not just in the beginning with Adam and Eve, but recreated in the image of Jesus in true righteousness and holiness. And so this is incredible news. This is part of the good news. It begins with forgiveness and acceptance, but then God changes us from the inside out and we become new people. Now, the rest of the verses, from verses 25 all the way through the end, really, of the book, um, then go back and forth. Paul takes this image of putting off and putting on, and he goes through, like, I think it's about 15 different examples of certain things that characterize the old life and then certain things that characterize the new life. And he says, you put off these old things, you put on these new things, and you can read the passage on your own. What we're going to do is we're going to jump uh, all the way to verse 31. So we're going to skip over some verses because what we're looking at right now is how to be people that are welcoming, right? How to be people who are hospi- uh, hospitable. And so we see this in verse 31. It says there, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And so this is the old self that we put off. And so Paul is saying, look, the transformation has happened, but then you have to walk it out. And so there are still things, there are still parts of your heart. It's like you have two hearts. You have an old heart and a new heart. And there's times when the old heart is taken over and you want things that are bad. And so when you're bitter, when you're wrathful, when you're angry, when you slander others, clamor is sort of related to fighting um, with all malice. When any of that comes, put it off. When any of that comes, you say, wait, this is an expression of my old self. This is not who I am now. This is not how I learned Christ, right? Verse 20, that's not the way I learned Christ. When I learned Christ, he wasn't bitter toward me. He wasn't wrathful toward me. He was gracious and loving and merciful. And so we put that stuff off because that's not who we are anymore, in verse 32 says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Friends, this is the new heart that you get from Jesus. And what's exciting is that it's not just any new heart, but it's actually the heart of Jesus. When the Spirit enters into your life, when you are filled with the presence of God, you get the heart of Jesus. That means that what He wants is now in you. How He loves is in you. His patience is in you. And this is the work of the gospel. So these are the things that are part of the new self. And when we remember, this is why then the Bible like, can open up for you in a wonderful way. Because when you read the Gospels and you see what Jesus is like, it's not just that Jesus is this amazing example that you have to follow. It's not just that he sets the tone and if you don't keep up, then you're lost. When you read about Jesus, when you see what he is like, you're supposed to say, wow, this is a great example for me. I want to imitate, be an imitator of God, right? That's what verse one says. 
But then you remember Ephesians 4 and you say, wait a second, I am learning about Jesus. I'm being taught the way of Jesus. And this means that the heart that I see in him is actually in me. So when I watch Jesus stop everything and devote himself to the woman who had that 12-year flow of blood who was completely lost and completely hopeless, when he stops everything and gives her the dignified response, when he looks at her and tells her, you're a daughter of God, when he respects the dignity of who she is and has patience and makes time for her, that's in me. That's in you when you believe in Jesus. That is a photo of the new heart that you have because you have Jesus. And so the example of Jesus isn't just uh, an example, but it's actually a revelation of who you now are. Jesus is the new humanity begun. And when we believe in him, his humanness enters into us. I mean, this is what the Lord's table is. This is what communion is. It's us saying, like, we are what we eat, right? He says, this is my body, and it's given for you. And Jesus is saying, it's the same thing, who I am. I'm giving up my life so that my life will be born in you, and you will be transformed. And what I love about this, too, is that Paul says in verse 32, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. What I love about this is that God can't tell you what to do without reminding you about what he's done. God will never want you to feel condemned as he calls you to grow. He will always remind you that he cares about you and that he has loved you first. He already loves you. So you're not doing this to earn his love. You're doing all of this because you have his love. That's how the gospel works. And so in these passages, the apostle Paul got this himself. And so he can't tell us what to do without reminding us of who we are. And verse two, we see the exact same thing. In Ephesians five, verse two, it says, and walk in love. So there's the command, but then look at him. Look at him. I can't tell you what to do without reminding you what God has done. So walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I mean, this is so rich. Like we could spend hours and hours and hours and hours talking about the significance of what this means and how we can walk this out in our lives. But what this is saying here is that when Jesus loved us, he gave himself up for us. And so we need to do the same thing because of what he's already done for us. And when Jesus did this, Jesus loving us and giving himself up for us was a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So you know what that means? That means as Jesus was sacrificing himself, it brought joy and pleasure to the heart of God. To watch Jesus be willing to orient his life around us. As Jesus sacrificed everything, he did this for you. He did this for you. He did this for all of us. And as he was doing that, God said, that's what humanity was always supposed to be. Like this is what people were made for, was to love others, to image the love of God. And when Jesus did it, God was honored. And so that's really exciting. 
But the application of this is that every time you do this, your life is a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Every time you walk in love, every time you are kind to one another, tender-hearted, every time you forgive one another, your action, your words, your attitude are offered up to God and are a sweet-smelling aroma to him, which means that he is honored by what you're doing. He is pleased with your work. He is pleased with the things that you do. So this is the transformation. Do you want to know how it is that Laura Cresswell could reach out to her neighbors and love them so much that she has, in a sense, adopted, quasi-adopted. She's just there to support and love the family, right? How do David and Gracie, who you will see if you aren't online, you will see and hear in living color the way they've loved their neighborhood. How does this happen? How does Jackie Vance love one of our homeless sisters so well that she says, I would love to come to your home and have tea with you? Like how do Bill and Dana devote their home? This supposed to be a haven of rest, a harbor for themselves. And they open that up and welcome others repeatedly into their home. How does this happen? It's because they've been loved by Jesus. It's because they want to spend their entire lives offering themselves to others so that God would be worshiped. Friends, if you believe in Jesus... He's given you this same heart. And we wanted to give you a lot of different examples, a lot of different testimonies, because it looks different for, other, for different people. The way that your love for others will express itself will be unique to you in some ways. But so it's going to look different. Let me show you one other picture that comes from the Bible. There's a guy named Zacchaeus. And he is a wonderful picture of the transformation that happens when you get the new heart of Jesus. In Luke 19, verse 2, it says this. It says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So back then, tax collectors were like the worst of the worst. They were like the scum of the earth, not like IRS people. They're just like frustrating and annoying because of the bureaucracy. It's not their fault, right? They're just doing their jobs. Back then, though, tax collectors were awful people. They were betrayers of the nation of Israel, and they literally just fleeced people, and they had the Roman army to just steal whatever they could get out of people. And so they were terrible, awful, no good, horrible people. And so Zacchaeus met Jesus and had an encounter with Jesus. And in verse 8, Luke 19 describes the transformation that happened for Zacchaeus, it says this, Zacchaeus stood, he was hanging out with Jesus and he stood up and he said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So if I ripped you off a thousand bucks, I'm giving you back 4,000. And that's after I've given half of my goods away to the poor. And Jesus said to him in verse nine, he says, today, salvation has come to this house. And so what we see here is that the transformation produces generosity. The transformation produces a desire to share everything that you have with others. 
And so I want to call you all to welcome, to welcome others, to be hospitable. Dana reminded us um, last week that the word hospitality is a Greek word. It's a compound word that means stranger lover. Like to be hospitable means to love strangers. Now, some of you literally have strangers in your lives that you need to open your life to and just welcome them in. Others of you need to begin to treat people who aren't strangers to you like they're not strangers to you, okay? Some of you have neighbors that you need to get to know. You have coworkers that you need to spend time with. You've got friends, even family members that you need to put off your old heart that's bitter and angry, that's vengeful, that's wrathful, and you need to put on this new heart that Jesus has given you. And you need to walk in this. You need to be generous with your time, with your energy, and with your money. Question for you is, how can you begin to share more of who you are with the people around you? And so here's the action. Here's the action as as we bring this series to a close. I want you to choose something that you will do three to four times over the next month to make time to welcome others. Like that's it. I want you to, to do this, not just because Jesus is this great example to us, but because Jesus has given you his heart. You have his heart. You are a new self. And so what's something that you can do three to four times over the next month to open your life to someone else, right? Whether it's spending time in your front yard so that you have time to meet your neighbors, whether it's having coffee or beer with someone or sharing a meal. But I want you to think of something that you can do over the next three to four weeks um, or over the next month, three to four things that you're... (laughs) Think of something that you can do three to four times over the next four or five weeks. Um, Because what this is, this is an expression of the gospel, right? This is us saying, wait, Jesus, I believe that I am this new self and I want to walk in this new self. And then for those of you who are here, and maybe you don't have this new heart. Maybe you aren't this new self. Maybe you're still the old self. I want to encourage you to become a Christian. Confess your sins and commit your life to Jesus. If you do that, then Jesus will come in and he will transform you from the inside out. Jesus will put his spirit in you and you will find that you have new wants, new desires. When you realize what Jesus has done for you, it'll begin to change who you are from the inside out. And so I'd encourage you to pray and give your life to Jesus today. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that you would be with us. Uh, We thank you for giving us this new heart, this part of ourselves that, um, that wasn't there before. We're thankful, Jesus, to you that that who you are is now in us when we believe. We pray that we'd walk in this. Show us, Jesus, what each one of us can do repeatedly over the next month to welcome others, to show them your love, to receive them into our lives. And then for those who aren't Christians, Jesus, would you reach out and touch their hearts? draw them near to yourself. Show them how much you've loved them by giving yourself for them so they would commit their lives to you. We pray this in your name. Amen.